Please remain standing for the reading of today's epistle lesson. It comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things—anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its Creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, you look good. You look mighty good from here. Uh, it is so good to be home. There's no place like home. And church is home. And it's good to be with you all. I'm so thankful. Casey, thank you for leading us. And uh, thank you to Ryan and Greg and Patsy, all of our musicians. That was an affirmation, not just an anthem uh, this morning. Beautiful Savior, we're so grateful to all of you. Uh, Meryl, for reading our lesson today. Uh, it is so good to be home with you. So, so many have asked between services, what did you do with all your time while you were gone? We, uh, Sherry and I went to North Georgia. We're up in the North Georgia mountains around the Cleveland-Clarksville area, if you know that area. Uh, and we, we went there primarily for one reason. His name is Crosby, and he's 18 months old, and that's why we went, uh, to be near him, to be near our children. Oh, by the way, his, his family too, uh, Crosby's family. We enjoyed them as well. Uh, got to hear our son preach at Noonan First United Methodist Church. He is definitively an upgrade in the chapel preaching family. 
and we enjoyed hearing him, but also uh, hearing the announcement that Andrew, our son and daughter-in-law Adair announced that, that they too are giving birth in December to a boy. Uh, that is a praise and a word of warning uh, that there is another PK that's coming, preacher's kid. Uh, and we're in the midst of a baby boom right now. Did y'all know that? Both in the church and certainly in our family. Uh, Adam and Carlisle Jones. Adam is our uh, leader of discipleship ministry. They were here at 8.30 and she was great with child. Carlisle, who is an associate pastor at Franklin First, uh, was here today and today is the due date for that baby to be born. I tried, tried to preach her into labor and it did not happen. Um, but all of that to say it is so, 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 so good for Sherry and I to be back with you. We love you and we've missed you. Uh, and we're grateful. We're starting a new series today before we come to the table, and the table is the, the most important part of our worship today, the center uh, where we receive God's grace and goodness. But we're starting a new series this morning uh, as the school year has started on the subject of core values. Now, I don't have to tell you because uh, if you're in an organization or run a particular business, you understand that core values are an organization's essential beliefs and highest priorities that have a way of driving our behavior and our practice, our ethics. Core values are essentially our DNA, and they are the guardrails, I think, that keep us aligned and centered, focused with our ethics and with our primary mission and vision and purpose. And you know the mission of Brentwood United Methodist Church. Uh, we are here to make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And the core values are simply guardrails to make sure that we are effective, that we're faithful in that particular mission. I think it's a timely topic uh, in this age, particularly as we begin a new season, a new, a new school year. Uh, some of you started teachers and students classes on Friday. Uh, you only had a half day, uh, and teachers tell me they wish every school day could be a half a day. Um, but it's a timely series, I hope, because all associations, all unions, all alliances have core values. Uh, we had them in my family growing up when I was a boy. Uh, one of the number one core values in our family uh, that was affirmed by my father is, you don't quit what you start. You do it with all that you have and all that you are. Families, corporations, communities, schools, clubs, churches, we all have these core values. In fact, I looked up Belmont University's core values or as they explain them on their website, five ways of being. Hope-inspiring, character-forming, future-shaping, community-engaging, and bridge-building. Those are good values. And we have some of our choir members or interns in the music program at Belmont. They go to school there. We have teachers and professors and administrators. Those are wonderful. I especially like the last one, bridge-building. Incidentally, one of the books that I read on my study break, in fact, it was a gift from one of you. Uh, oftentimes, you all will see certain flaws in me and think that a, a good book would be helpful. And so I, I took her up on it. Uh, I won't mention 
her name, her initials are Sharon Cox, but Sharon gave me, <laughs> she, she gave me a book called I Never Thought of It That Way. And this is by Monica Guzman, who is a Mexican woman. This is a wonderful book. I've never thought of it that way. And Monica says in her book, uh, among other things, she, she says, not every bridge has to be crossed, but every bridge needs to be kept. And I love that. You can't cross every bridge, but you better keep it there. And I've noticed that sometimes in the 21st century, we're a little bit better at burning bridges than we are at building them and crossing them. In fact, I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and he said to me, well, pastor, I don't burn bridges. I just loosen the bolts a little. This is even, even if you burn the bridge, you still have to cross the river. Core values. Vanderbilt University has five core values. Collaboration, critical thinking, inclusivity, innovation, scholarship. It makes sense for an academic, an academy of higher education. I, I looked up Marriott Hotel's core values. They have five. Everybody has five. Put people first, pursue excellence, embrace change, act with integrity, and serve the world. I love that. I, I can't afford it, but I actually, I really, I like those values. So we all have them. And churches have them. Brentwood United Methodist Church that's been around since 1851 for 172 years. In fact, many of you know that in the early 1800s that Tennessee was considered the Western Conference of the Methodist Church. And that Bishop Asbury came late in his years near this place who was ordained, of course, by John Wesley himself. And Bishop Asbury and Colonel Greenhill, both were Christians, established a beachhead in this area for the kingdom, for the Methodist church. Churches have core values. We have five, if you didn't know it, and I've listed them for you. Christ-centered, ministry of all believers. That means there's no real difference between those who wear a stole and those who don't. Every one of us have a ministry with our name on it, that we're teachable all of our lives. The word disciple, mathetes in the Greek means learner, student, you never stop. That we're risk takers for the sake of the kingdom, for Christ's sake and for others' sake. And finally, the centrality of grace, unconditional love, that's key to us, slash the primacy of scripture. These, these are our core values. These are the guardrails that keep us focused on our mission. Now, I wanna to suggest to you that the first particular guardrail is the most important. That we are, by design, necessarily Christ-centered people. And you may say, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be Christ-centered? It sounds good, but what does it look like? Well, Merrill read for us a moment ago chapter 3, Colossians, and in essence what that text says is, is that a Christ-centered life does not begin with conduct, it begins with a mindset. It, it begins in the way that we think. Listen to verses 1 and 2. So if you've been raised with Christ, 
then seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right, right hand of God. Set, let, set your minds, there it is, on things above, not on things of earth, for you have died, this is by baptism, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It begins with the way that you think. Mindset. Now this is why when your children, when our grandchildren act up or do something out of character, the question that mom and dad usually ask is not why did you do it, but what were you thinking? And usually they don't answer that because they don't want you to know what they were thinking because that's the problem sometimes. It's in the mindset. When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' signature sermon, it's in Matthew chapters five through seven. The whole sermon, is, it, it's primarily not about behavior, it's about motive. What are you thinking? It's not just about law, it's about aim, it's about incentive, it's about objective. In fact, the Proverbs writer agrees with this, the wisdom writer, Proverbs 23, verse seven, whatsoever a person thinks in his heart, that's what you are. There's a book out now called You Are What You Eat, and that's true too, but you certainly are what you think. It's the mindset. So a Christ-centered person is necessarily a Christ-minded person. And I suggest that that's why spiritual formation is so important. That's why what we're doing this morning, worship is so critical. That's why praise is important. That's why music is necessary. That's why small group Bible study, it, 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 it's not a luxury item, it's standard for the person of faith and prayer. Because if we can learn to think like Jesus, then maybe we can learn to live like Jesus. Paul thought so too, not only in Colossians, but if you flip over to Romans 12, verse two, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Why? So that you may discern the will of God, which is good and pleasing and acceptable and perfect to God. Starts in the mind. Confirmation classes are gonna start soon for our sixth graders. Uh, it's a wonderful process that lasts all fall. Usually we'll have 70, 80 or more of our sixth graders. And before we begin that, our leaders, our counselors always ask the clergy, what is your favorite scripture? And they wanna, they wanna highlight that in the Bibles that they give to our confirmands. And it depends on the time for me. I have a lot of favorite scriptures. I don't have the same one every time. And this year, I gave them Philippians 4, verse 8. Listen to what it says. Finally, sisters and brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise, think on such things. Now, if you want to do a quick reverse paraphrase, of, of an earthly mind, just reverse that. Brothers and sisters, whatever is false, whatever is ignoble, whatever is wrong, whatever is impure, whatever is unlovely or inadmirable, whatever is mediocre or worthy of criticism, think on such things. I have just described for you the American media. 
It's the mindset. And so what you see in, in this particular introductory sermon on core values from Colossians 3 uh, is that Paul gives us the core values of two very distinct ways of thinking. Two distinct perspectives and mindsets. One of them is earthly, purely earthly, worldly. The other is spiritual. And what's interesting to me is, I don't know if you've seen it, but Paul actually gives you two sets of five in the earthly values, which are not really values at all. They're vices. So the earthly mindset is more about core vices. And he speaks in verse 5 with urgency about it. Dear friends, put to death whatever is earthly. Fornication, which the word is porneia in Greek. It is the root of pornography. It means objectifying another body for your own gratification. Impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which then Paul qualifies all five of those as idolatry. What is idolatry? Idolatry is anything that takes center place in your life. It might be a good thing. I've discovered that sin results from the good gifts of God that are used for my own personal benefit sometimes. In fact, Paul says in Romans 1 that, that idolatry occurs, evolves when we worship the creature instead of the creator. Idolatry, decentering Jesus, begins when I worship the gift of God rather than the giver. And so that's one set of vices. There's a second set. By the way, the first set of vices typically, uh, commentaries will tell you, uh, are, are characteristic of Gentiles. But the second set of vices are more characteristic of Jews. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language. This is also the fruit of idolatry, wherein we dissenter Jesus and deify ourselves so that I become the judge and the ruler of everyone else, especially those who differ from me. There's another interesting book title called Three Practices for Crossing the Difference Divide. Now, I realize this is a horrible book cover, but it's a wonderful book. This book, written by two businessmen, who are seeking a way to help organizations, even churches, who are divided to find a way of unifying them. There are three practices that are mentioned in the book that are essential. Number one, be unusually interested in other people. Not just me. Number two, stay in the room with, differ with difference. Don't, don't, get, don't get puffed up and leave because of difference. And number three, I think is the most essential Stop comparing your best with others' worst. Now, y'all never do that, but people used to do that a long time ago. Core values. In contrast to the core vices that Paul mentions that are characteristic of the earthly mind, then Paul lists the core values of the spiritual mind, the in Christ mind. And he speaks about these core values like they're attire. Like their, like their clothing. Those who are in Christ, clothe yourselves, there are five, with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, which is not weakness, it's strength that has a gentle touch, and patience. Patience. 
Those five remind me of nine others that Paul talks about in Galatians 3, uh, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we can think like Jesus, we may be able to live like Jesus and maybe even just look a little like Jesus. These values are not intended to be only inward or personal. They are intended to be lived out corporately, communally. And you see this in Colossians 3.11, that when these values that I just mentioned are present within us, then we no longer feel the need to divide each other by ethnicity or by culture or by religious affiliation or social status. No, in this new way of thinking, there is no longer Greek or Jew. There's no ethnicity, at least that's relevant to God. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no slave nor free. There's no male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. One of my heroes growing up was a Methodist missionary to India named E. Stanley Jones. Dr. Jones grew up in Baltimore, and after experiencing in a personal way the grace of God in Christ in a revival meeting at age 17, he took off for Asbury College. He got his bachelor's degree, he got his master of divinity degree, and then he felt called to go to India to be a missionary. In fact, on this book by John Harnish, who was here about three months ago, who knew Dr. Jones, you see two other pictures. While Dr. Jones went, was in India, he became a friend of Mahatma Gandhi, and he wrote a book about their friendship. There was a Baptist preacher in Atlanta who read that book, who was struggling with desegregation. His name was Martin King, and that book changed his life and reminded him of the necessity of nonviolent resistance from a Methodist missionary in India who was a friend of Gandhi's. I heard him preach when I was 12 years old. He was 87. It was the year before he died. I can still remember. He said, I can still remember at age 17. He said, when I became a Christian, it was as if I swallowed sunshine. 87 years of age. John Harnish, who wrote a book, quotes him in one of the, one of the most fascinating quotes that he shares, and this, and this is 100 years ago almost. Christians are the most united body on the face of the earth, if only we knew it, he says. And then he goes on to say, ironically, the people who are most united at the center are often most divided at the circumference. That's about 80 years ago. Still relevant. I don't know why it is, but I'll tell you too often, I allow the circumference to become the center. And when I do, all the usual distinctions begin to surface, and I can divvy up the body and the church in ways that give rise to core vices rather than core values. Because by human nature, I'm better at division than multiplication. 
I am better at differentiation than I am reconciliation until I begin to think like Jesus. Anyway, Dr. Jones made a statement the night I heard him preach. I was 12. I'll never forget it. He said, everyone who belongs to Christ belongs to everyone who belongs to Christ. Wow. That's not the way I think. Everyone who belongs to Christ belongs to everyone who belongs to Christ. You believe that? I told my wife while we were gone, I think I'll look for another denomination. So I went over to the Baptist church and found out they don't ordain women and they just fired Rick Warren, who's their best pastor. I thought, well, I'll keep looking. I went over to the Church of Christ and they don't do drums, no guitars, no organ, no piano. And that's kind of important to me, so I, I left and I went over to the Episcopalians. Bells and smells. <laughs> Too liturgical for my taste. I went to the Presbyterians, but there was no free will there. It's predestination. I thought, I can't do that. I went over to the non-denominational. No tradition, toxic staff culture. Can't do that. So, you know, we, we decided last week just to come back and stick with you. Because I know you. I think I'll just be a part of the problem and not just the solution. I know you. And I see Jesus in you. And I discovered in all of that mental running about that God doesn't have a preferred denomination. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. The expressions of faith that are common to all Christians are varied and diverse, but at the center of it all here in this place, Jesus is Lord. Period, exclamation point, mic drop. That's our DNA, that's our core value. And so I think, Dr. Jones, I think that old man was right. Everyone who belongs to Christ <laughs> belongs to everyone who belongs to Christ. And if I can think like Jesus, then maybe we can live like Jesus. Maybe we can look like Jesus. And maybe, 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 maybe we can learn to love like Jesus. Above all else, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds all things together in perfect harmony. Did you know that the word in Greek for bind or bond means ligaments? I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but my orthopedist told me that ligaments are the tissue that bind bones to bones. That's what keeps you walking. <laughs> That's what keeps you coordinated. That's what keeps us connected. 
And when Jesus is the center, when Christ is our all in all, and love is the ligament, the bones just keep walking together. May it be so. In Jesus' name.